VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. UVA okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. We are back two weeks in a row, and this is a big week, obviously. There is a lot of basketball going on, which I know Dustin is very excited about. I'm really excited about, yeah. too. A lot of good stuff going on. And then uh, we're going to do some football wrap-up, which is really what this show is, too. And maybe not so much wrap-up the season as it is kind of look ahead to next season, which... There's a lot to be excited about. And, you know, when I look at this roster and when I look at the schedule we're going to play, you know, there's reason for people to be excited. I'm not sure if I'm on the 11 and 1 bandwagon yet, but there's. There are some who are. And uh, <laughs> we are not one of them, but we'll see what happens. I'm not quite there yet. You know, <laughs> Florida State is going to be better than they were this year. I think Miami will too. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech, you got to beat them. At some point, we play at Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you know, there's that'll be a fun game just to say we're at Notre Dame. All all we're saying, all we're saying is that we are going to talk about football and we are not going to project our wins next year. No, there's there's a lot of variables who we play. We know when we don't know, though. And, you know, a lot of new coaches, too. But that's not so much what this episode is about. We're going to try to keep this pretty short and sweet. Uh, but what we really want to do is set a baseline when we look at our roster. Basically, what we're going to do this episode is just go position by position and talk about our projections and our thoughts on kind of how the position group is shaping up, you know, who is going to be the starter, who are players to watch, and, uh, you know, just kind of see how our depth is at each position. And one thing as we kind of worked through and did this exercise before recording to me, it really stood out is the depth and the secession plans you see in place. They're there and they've been thought about and they've been deliberately recruited by the staff, which has been just kind of high level great to see because, you know, Bronco Mendenhall understands what he's doing. And I think it's I think he's going to do pretty well at UVA. I don't know what the ceiling is. I think he's going to do pretty well. But, you know, regardless of what happens, this roster is going to be in good shape. It's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, and one thing I want to say is while we're recording this, the Patriots are playing the Chargers, and our stream just froze, which sucks. But uh, the Patriots have a secession plan, and they have players. They develop players. That's kind of uh, what inspired us to do this. You know, it is football Sunday. The Saints play later, which I'm excited about. They're going to hopefully beat the Eagles. Uh, you guys will probably be listening listening to this on Monday. So uh, we'll see if that actually happens, but we are going to talk some football in first. And so I think, Rob, 
the place I think that we should start with is probably the easiest place, which is the quarterback position. And how does that depth look starting next year? Yeah, well, I think it's safe to say this is the best the quarterback position has looked in, you know, 15 years, probably mm-hmm. since since Matt Schaub was on the roster and you kind of had Marcus Hagans kind of waiting in the wings, you know, this is probably the best shape the quarterback group has been in since, you know, 15 plus years ago. And obviously, Bryce Perkins is your starter. He's going to be an ACC player of the year candidate. You know, he was most people had him as a third team all ACC player this year. Next year, give him another another offseason, you know, another year, really learning how to throw the ball, get healthy. You know, he's going to be competing for ACC player of the year. The depth there also has me really excited. You know, Brennan Armstrong is going to be your backup. He kept his redshirt year. Lyndall Stone, probably, you know, he's probably been recruited over at this point by Brennan Armstrong, but he's a nice piece to have. You know, he was one of the top recruits in that class a couple years ago. You know, he's just a good guy to have in the quarterback room. And then one has already signed. One freshman has already signed for next year. Another is expected to sign uh, RJ Harvey, who is an athletic quarterback. And then uh, Luke Wentz, who's the guy that out of Europe, who's expected to sign soon. Is he related to Carson Wentz? I hope. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I guess we'll find out. Yeah. You know, these are just, this is the best the quarterback position group has looked at in a long, long time. Yeah. I think that, you know, when we were in the dark depths of the Mike London era, we had struggles at quarterback position and just like finding that guy to lead us and, and be the offense and, you know, just set the tone for the team. And now, under Bronco, we've had two quarterbacks who have set records at UVA. We had Kurt, and now we've got Bryce. And both of them have really been amazing for this program, really helped build it up. Yeah, no question. I think I'm very comfortable saying the quarterback group is in really great position because I really like Brennan Armstrong. I think Brennan Armstrong has mm-hmm. the best arm on the team. Yeah. He's not dynamic athletic, but he's athletic enough that you can run things with him, mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited. And then RJ Harvey, the more I watch of RJ Harvey, the more I like him. You know, he he reminds me so much of Marcus Hagans. For a small guy, he's got a big arm mm-hmm. and uh obviously super mobile, super quick, shifty. I'm I'm really excited for this this position. Going back to Brendan Armstrong, you know, we saw flashes of him this season against Georgia Tech when, you know, he he didn't do much work, but he threw a touchdown pass. Yeah. And you know, that, that's just kind of what he brings to the table. He's got a good arm. Mm-hmm. He's smart with the ball. So after Bryce is gone uh, next year, you know, hopefully he can step in and just kind of take over where he left yeah, off. Two years under his belt, three-year starter potentially thereafter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, while he's doing his thing, we'll see what the freshmen look like. Yeah. The guys who are freshmen next year. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun, fun group. And, you know, we have a good coach, too, in Jason Beck. Mm-hmm. So... I like the quarterback position. Yeah. So next, running back. Running back's weird because Jordan Ellis had, what, 90% of the carries out of the running backs this year, Something like if that. not I more. Don't, I don't know what it we is. We didn't do the math, but we... <laughs> we <laughs> We're not math guys. Rob's just a banker guy. I like, I like numbers, math. but like as soon as you take away the dollar signs, yeah. then it's like... <laughs> <laughs> what it, doesn't mean? Mean yeah. it doesn't mean anything. There's no point to having the numbers without the dollars. But let, let's talk about this contrast. Jordan Ellis had 215 carries last year. The running back 
after him with the most carries was P.K. Kyer with 26. Uh-huh. Jordan Ellis had 1,026 rushing yards. P.K. Kyer had 80. So, you know, you look at how our leading rushers were last year. Mm-hmm. Jordan Ellis, he'll be gone. He was number one. Bryce Perkins is number two. He'll be back. Alameda Zacchaeus was number three. He's gone. P.K. Kyer was number four. He'll be back. And then Brennan Armstrong was actually our fifth leading rusher with 74 yards. It so seems, It seems wrong. It's It's weird. It's... It's strange how this staff doesn't like rotating backs, at mm-hmm. least the past two years with Jordan Ellis. And Bronco Mendenhall has put it up to, uh, you know, Jordan Ellis just being that strong of a ball car- carrier. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I'd like to see him rotate backs more, which they did their first year uh, in Charlottesville with Taquan Mizell and Albert Reed. So anyway, when we look at this position group, P.K. Kyer is probably going to be the starter, at least going into the offseason. Lamont Atkins, you know, a former Gatorade player of the year in Virginia. I'm really surprised he hasn't gotten more run. You know, Mm -hmm. he only had six or yeah, no, he had four carries for 33 yards last season, Mm -hmm. which is just a small number. Uh, But Lamont Atkins is a guy to watch out for. Jamari Peacock is more of a fullback, but Mm -hmm. he's played that role well. Uh, You got Chris Sharp in there. Chris Sharp is a guy that's athletic, but is just never really fit on the football field as much as some people wanted him to. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike London's staff played with him at safety for a bit. And then, you know, you start looking at some of the guys coming in, and the two guys that are really cool and you can get really excited about are Mike Collins and Seneca Millage. Mm-hmm. And Mike Collins is a guy we've talked about on here. Yeah. You know, a bruising runner, a guy that I think is not as burner, but is more dynamic, more and, shifty. And we're both pretty excited about him. Yeah. And then Seneca Millage is a guy that comes in. Maybe he'll be a running back. Pe- most people are projecting him as a running back. You know, maybe he fills that H-back role. Is he just listed as athlete? Yeah. Um, That's so weird that football does that. Yeah. Most people think he's going to be a running back, but... He's a, a speedster that's going to be really good. Okay. So I think I think depth-wise, this position group is in good shape. Uh, and, you know, we'll just see. We'll just see about the rest. Okay. But wide receiver. Wide receiver, we're going to miss Alamide Zacchaeus more than we realize. Yeah. Alamide Zacchaeus, for as good as he was, I don't think got enough credit well, during his time at UVA. I don't know what you think, Dustin, but I mean, he, he was had, awesome. He had the most uh, receptions... Uh, over the past two years of anyone in college football. And Mm so there's a lot of uncertainty next year. I mean, we've got Hasis Dubois coming back, and we've got Joe Reed coming back. We've got Jana coming back too, uh, and Tavares Kelly as well. But none of them really had the impact that Alamde Zacchaeus had. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Hasis Dubois had about half as many yards as Zacchaeus. And even though he is kind of, he's good at like, Moving the chains on third down, he's a possession guy. Mm-hmm. He's not, I don't think, like a deep threat, big yeah. play kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, big body, big guy. He'll get the tough catches. But no, he's not the burner that Alameda Zacchaeus was. And, and you know, maybe Tavares Kelly can come in and take that role from him. But this year, you know, Kelly looked good sometimes. And other times, you know, he had some drop balls, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, kind of sucks. Uh, Jan is a guy that I liked in his limited action this year. He had some really good catches, uh, especially against Pitt. Mm-hmm. He had a big game against Pitt. Uh, other that, otherwise, you know, we didn't see a lot of him. So there's a lot of unknowns coming into the year when we talk about the wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, you look at Hasis Dubois. He had 52 receptions this season. I think he'll probably exceed that next season. And after that, we don't have a receiver returning with more than 25 catches. You know, Joe Reed kind of came on at the end of the season the past Mm -hmm. couple games. You know, you had that big Liberty game. He had a 
catching Ryan against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, but he only had 25 catches. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy that's going to have to be more consistent and a guy that's going to have to play uh, at a higher level. Terrell Janna, I think, is a solid possession type receiver. For any Redskins fans out there, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Grant, what he was able to do. <laughs> Just like nothing special, really, but a solid receiver who's going to catch a couple balls here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, there's you're going to have to look at your younger players this this, this coming season. You know, yeah. your Tavares Kellys, your Billy Camps, uh, your Ugo Absavis, uh, you know, Dontavian Wicks, Nathaniel Beal. Uh, and Darian Goddard, those last three are going to be freshmen. You know, it's it's a little top-heavy at this group with mm-hmm. Joe Reed and Hasis Dubois, and then after that, it's just kind of see who steps up. Yeah, and, you know, we will miss Alameda because he was so dynamic and he was here for so long, and I think that he was a huge reason why we had a lot of success, success this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to miss him big time. Uh, tight end... Tight end, it's not even really worth talking about. Not available. Tanner Cowley will be a senior, and the staff has not recruited a tight end, you know, during their time in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Like, some people are really mad about that. Some people mm-hmm. really want the tight end involved in the offense. And I was kind of one of those people until I saw this season. I saw how I, I thought Bryce Perkins would utilize the tight end more than Kurt Benkert, yeah. just because Benkert had that rocket arm that mm-hmm. he was probably better able to stretch the field to the receivers mm-hmm. i thought oh bryce perkins will probably use the tight end a bit more and that it really wasn't the case yeah so i, I don't feel terrible about the tight end going away mm-hmm. but you know this is tanner cowley this coming season is really going to be the last tight end for uva under the staff i think that it's kind of weird for uva to not have a tight end anymore because you know, back in the day, like we used to be a really good tight end school. Oh, yeah. We always had good tight ends. You know, you talk about Heath Miller, of course, comes to mind, but we also had uh, three or four other guys who John played. John Stupar, in, yeah. Tom Santee, mm-hmm. they all played in the NFL. They all played in the NFL at least for a couple of years. And so we always had that solid tight end who could catch. Um, even Jake McGee, who yeah. was just, uh, he, you know, he had a lot of injuries, but he was a dynamic tight end. Mm-hmm. And. I think it's just kind of weird for me, at least as a UVA fan to not have like a solid tight end who can catch and get you like five or six yards. Yeah. Like Heath Miller was the first in like a 10 year stint. Like Heath Miller was obviously a fantastic tight mm-hmm. end. And then there were like guys that like weren't quite at his level, but still like all ACC type mm-hmm. of players that followed in his lines. Yeah. Like throughout the grow years and even a little bit in the uh, Mike London years, mm-hmm. there were good tight ends. So it's just kind of the difference in offensive philosophy. You know, you go from a pro-style offense where, you know, you do want to have a tight end, you know, as much as of, as much to be an inline blocker as much as anything. But mm-hmm. then you also, you know, they could be receivers too. Yeah. And like our staff is just focusing on receivers. It's a different mm-hmm. running style. We're out of the shotgun or the pistol 95% of the plays. It's just different. And yeah. the staff just doesn't see a big role for tight ends in their offense yeah and i think i think that's fine just as long as you know it works and this year like evan butts mm-hmm. i mean he, he's a good tight end like, and we didn't use him at all yeah like, for our mid-season grades we, we didn't grade him he because, had 16 catches for 141 yards yeah like rob wanted to give him an f and i said hold on <laughs> you can't even grade him he hasn't done anything so like i don't know i think i think it's fine just as long as it like works and they stick to it yeah i mean tanner Callie, i think he has potential uh but you know in his junior season last year he had four catches for 68 yards mm-hmm. one of those catches was for 40 yards against pittsburgh yeah so 
you know, the tight end is just not going to be emphasized in this offense. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's move to the offensive line. Right. And Dustin and I aren't going to pretend that we're experts on the offensive line. I actively told Rob before <laughs> this that I'm not going to talk at all during the offensive line portion. So if you want to just hear me <laughs> ramble for a minute, then you can. I think the biggest thing with offensive line is numbers. Yeah. There's numbers. There's a secession plan in place. But one thing that I don't think has gotten enough run over the past two weeks is that our offensive line was okay. It wasn't great this season. It was okay. And they're losing three starters. You know, Marcus Applefield, a transfer, turned out to be a really good player for us. You know, Mm -hmm. I hope he gets a shot at least somewhere in the NFL. I don't know if he's quite the athlete to make it, but he was a good player. You know, Jake Feeler, he played mostly guard, but also a little bit of center. You know, he's a guy that played for several years. He was a good player. RJ Proctor... His transfer was a little surprising, but it also mm-hmm. seems that the staff and him, it was kind of mutual. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the full story is. Yeah. Something weird was going on there, I think. Yeah. But RJ Proctor is gone. So really, when you look at this offensive line, you're going to lose three, you know, three pretty, at least three players that were among the best on the offensive line. I'd put Dylan Rankinsmeyer up there as well. Um, but when you like look in the next season, I think there are players that can step up and you can see the depth kind of starting to fill, you know, Ryan Nelson played at left tackle as a freshman. Uh, he'll probably be in a, I would think the same spot unless they want to kick Dylan Rankinsmeyer out to left tackle Mm -hmm. where he played a little bit his freshman year. Chris Glazer, he'll be a junior. He played a little bit at guard this season while RJ Proctor was working his way back, but I think he'll be a fine replacement. Dylan Rankinsmeyer, he was at center most of the past two years. He'll be a junior. You know, his he can play pretty much anywhere on the offensive line. He's played a lot at center. But, you know, if a guy like Tyler Fannin, who will be a sophomore, he's a guy that before he got hurt, a lot of people thought he'd be starting at center so they mm-hmm. could put Rankinsmeyer out at tackle. Uh, there's also talk about Victor... Oh, God, I can't say his last name. <laughs> Aluwatamimi, but... He was a transfer guy that came in. He sat out this past season, but uh-huh. apparently he's had a really good uh, season kind of developing and grooming, and there's talk he might be in play for the center position. Okay. Um, and, you know, you have guys kind of coming on as well, you know, uh, some freshmen coming in, you know, there's guys that I think Volmer could be a potential option um, along this line as a starter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, obviously this is a huge guessing game, and... You know, we'll see. This staff, though, does seem to be of the mindset that they don't care as much about position. It's mm-hmm. more about just putting the best five guys out there, yeah. which is a little different. Everyone kind of has different philosophies, so yeah. it's kind of interesting. I, I think that the... I will say this about offensive line is that I, I don't know anything about, you know, who's good and what makes a good offensive lineman. I, if you're big and you're, like, strong, <laughs> like, to me, that's fine. And I think that the at least the staff has seemed to put an emphasis on getting bigger on the offensive line and mm-hmm. just getting that protection for Bryce Perkins for their quarterbacks and getting some push up front for the running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that not an offensive line can change a team. If you look at the Dallas Cowboys, like their offensive line was so good when Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott were rookies. Mm-hmm. And that's why they looked awesome that year. If you look at the saints this year, even like their offensive line is really good. Drew Brees has so much time to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they get so much push for Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara that, you know, it, it really changes the entire game if you can have some protection back there. Uh, I think that it, it should be a priority for them. And that's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah. That I well, don't I don't know anything, but but it, it it looks good. Yeah. I mean, I just remember pulling my hair out sometimes with Kurt Benkert where, you know, you need a big play and instead of having him drop back, they'd roll the pocket. Mm-hmm. And they had to roll the pocket because the offensive line wasn't good enough to give him protection if he yeah. dropped back. And it wasn't so much the case last year, but there were still instances, you know, that Bryce Perkins play, that third down play where we should have been going for the touchdown against mm-hmm. Virginia Tech and we roll him left. Mm-hmm. Like, that I think when it's one hundred percent the staff not trusting the offensive line to hold up. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I don't know. But And the other the other thing about offensive line is that they get injured so often, just like little tweaks with their leg like they're so mm-hmm. they're so big and they like, you know, they fall and there's bodies everywhere. Like their legs get injured all the time. Uh their ankles get twisted and so there's always p- people moving in and out on mm-hmm. the offensive line. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that depth holds up. Yeah, over the year, and that's the big thing is you know we can talk about who's going to start all we want. I don't think the staff has any idea yet. We'll learn. We'll we'll know more in the spring, like, yeah. and over the summer, like once people start practicing. But the depth is good, and the numbers are there. I still think it's a year or two away from being mm-hmm. really where we want it as far as talent level. Mm-hmm. But I think the depth is pretty much where we want it. Yeah, so it's good. Defensive line, they're guys that got hurt hard this mm-hmm. year with injuries, but I'm really excited about what this group can be you know, next year and especially years afterwards, because I still think next year there's kind of still probably a year away from where they want to be. But man, like they're going to have some good pieces next season if everybody comes back and if everybody is healthy. You look at who I think will be the starters, Amandi Alonzo, Eli Handback, and Aaron Famui. And then Richard Burney was playing really well before he had his medical condition come up. You know, we don't know if he'll be able to play next season. If he Mm -hmm. does play, he'll be a senior. But how great of a story would that be for him to come back and have a really good impact? Yeah. And then, you know, Tommy Chris stepped up. Jordan Redmond uh, played well this season. They'll both be sophomores next year. And then you have Samson Reed, who redshirted this year. And then the kind of the two guys that people are really excited about in the freshman class being Jawan Briggs and Ben Smiley. Yeah. So... There's numbers there and there's potential there, and definitely, I'm excited. definitely more numbers than we had this year. Oh, no question. I mean, they suited up th- four guys against South Carolina, right? Yeah. One of them being uh Dylan Thompson, right. <laughs> who I don't know if he even played. <laughs> I don't, he didn't play, I don't think, which is kind of crazy. He's, you know, a game with three defensive linemen, mm-hmm. really, you know, really three defensive linemen. So the numbers are there. You got to love Vic Sohoto, you know, they're they're gonna be a fun group. Yeah, so? I mean, yeah, I mean, they, if you once again, it kind of goes back to the offensive line thing. You know, when you if you have bigger players, you have better players, and you get that push up front, mm-hmm. it can change everything. Yeah, and it, this is a group that you know they changed philosophies. They went from a four three under London to a three four under Mendenhall. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type of. It takes a recruit. little while to to change you know, you're, that. You're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole it yeah. doesn't always work. Not but always. Eli Hamback was a guy who came in and did really well and it's kind of set the tone and you know guys are following yeah so with that we move to inside and outside linebacker which are really two entirely different positions mm-hmm. but we'll we'll just put them together at linebacker uh jordan mack will start on the inside jordan mack's a heck of a player he'll be mm-hmm. a senior he'll start the question is really who starts beside him mm-hmm. zane zandier played or zane zandier played. <laughs> <laughs> i still want to think of him as french but uh He's my prediction. I think Sandier will start beside him. But, mm. you know, Rob Snyder made a really good push for it as well. Yeah. You know, he played well on his limited minutes. It's good that 
and you know they might just do like a one a one b kind of thing where mm-hmm. you know they just kind of rotate in and out all season and that's totally um, fine it's yeah. even better you just keep them fresh and then you know you've got some interesting players coming in too in the recruiting class the biggest one being probably nick jackson who probably projects more uh as an inside linebacker mm-hmm. and he's a guy that you know if you listen to 24 7 is our second best recruit in this class so I don't know what playing time will necessarily be available for him this season, but you know, there's there's going to be playing time when Jordan Knack leaves, mm-hmm. and if it's anything like we saw this year, you know, our inside linebackers were hurt hard by mm-hmm. injury. You know, Jordan Mack went down, Dominic Shepard didn't even get the chance to play. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Cook started the season at inside backer, and you know, unfortunately for him, had to stop playing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's he's a guy that's kind of exciting to see yeah. what will happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about freshmen, too. We talked about this before. Is like freshmen playing football is always weird because they're not always built up, and the speed of the game is so much faster. And it, I, I the really good ones can play right away, but sometimes it just takes a couple of years. And so mm-hmm. I never really like looking at freshmen. It's hard. It comes, it's, it's comes like, to the next year, like, in, like looking forward because you don't always – they don't always play, and they don't yeah. always live up to the hype. Yeah. Well, and then there's players that you just wouldn't expect at all. You know, Bryce mm-hmm. Hall was the lowest-rated recruit in that class that yeah. he came in, in yeah. for UVA, and he played and started as a freshman mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, is where he is now. Yeah. So football's weird. It's not like basketball where you can kind of have a good feel for it ahead mm-hmm. of time. You know, it's there's so many variables at play. Yeah. At outside linebacker, Charles Snowden... And I think Elliot Brown will probably be getting a lot of the snaps. Chris Peace goes, which Chris Peace just like continued to defy expectations his whole career. Mm-hmm. He was another really low recruit, mm-hmm. a Mike London guy who was at defensive end. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall moved him to outside linebacker, and he really didn't play well his first year. But we, or his, I guess, would be his second year. His first mm-hmm. year in Bronco Mendenhall scheme as a sophomore, and but the staff didn't really have anyone else to turn to. Yeah, and then his junior <laughs> season. So he kept playing, and yeah. then his junior season, he really came on. He led the ACC uh, in sacks by linebacker, and mm-hmm. he might have done the same thing this season. Um, I'm not sure. But either way, he's a guy that played two years of really good football, mm-hmm. and we're going to miss him. We're definitely going to miss him. Yeah. So, yeah, he, yeah, he kind of set the tone for this defense last year, and, and also this year he was really good at, at getting pressure on the quarterback. So hopefully next year Snowden can step up. You know, Snowden had a heck of a year this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, super athletic, super long, can knock down passes, can also like hit people pretty hard as yeah. well. So hopefully he can take Chris Peace's spot and just like, you know, terrorize that line. And Charles Snowden is weird because he played, he obviously played well, batted down a lot of passes, mm-hmm. but I actually thought he was better against the run than he was as a pass rusher, really? which surprised me. That, does, he, that is surprising because he's really tall yeah. and lanky. But the way he could set the edge against the run was something that really surprised me. Mm-hmm. I think he still needs to get a little stronger to rush the passer. Yeah. You know, there were a couple sacks that he just didn't finish. Yeah. One what? of them being tech. Yeah, yeah. One of them being tech. So, you know, it, there's a lot of reason to be excited about him still. Yeah. Um, and I'm obviously really excited about him and he could be one of the top players on the defense next season. Mm-hmm. But there's still areas where he can get better at. Yeah. The other outside linebacker positions, Elliot Brown, unfortunately for him, was more known for the horse collar against Pitt than yes. anything else he did yes, over the course that, of the season. That was unfortunate. But what Bronco Mendenhall said in the middle of this season is that he thought 
uh, Elliot Brown this past season was where Charles Snowden was his freshman season. Charles okay. Snowden obviously had a good okay. season this past season. So yeah. we'll see about Elliot Brown. We'll see what happens. Matt Gam, I think, is more of a pass rusher than anything else, but he'll he'll get snaps, you know, some in the base defense, I think more in kind of the nickel looks. Mm-hmm. And then Noah Taylor is a guy that the staff is really high on. He played this year as a freshman um, a little bit. He won't be able to keep his red shirt, I don't think, but... Uh, the staff is high on Noah Taylor. Another, you kind of see how these guys are doing, how Bronco likes his outside linebackers, you know, big, long, rangy. That's what Noah Taylor fits. And then lastly, a guy to really keep, I'll give you two guys to really keep your eyes on in this freshman class, Hunter Stewart and Deshaun Perry. Both Mm -hmm. of them I'm really excited about. I think they're guys that can be really good players for UVA. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I like the outside linebackers because, you know, you can really get some good pass rush with them, and especially in the three-four defense. Yeah, because it's quicker and and they can really set um you know set the edge really fast. I like I like the three-four defense a lot. I, it's growing on me after being in a London situation for so long, but mm-hmm. um hopefully they can. And what do their recruits look like? Did you talk about that? Yeah, an outside backer. I okay. mean, the two big guys you got to look at are Hunter Stewart. Yeah, and. Uh, uh Deshaun Perry okay so I'm Deshaun Perry's a lower rated guy but you look at his film and you look mm-hmm. at like his athletic ability yeah I think he has a chance to be a really good player okay. and Hunter Stewart's Hunter Stewart's our number three player in this class yeah so I'm excited about them okay great moving on into the defensive backfield now we have cornerbacks and safeties uh we'll we'll split them up at corner, we have Bryce Hall and Darius Braden, who are mm-hmm. most likely starters coming back. Yeah. And after them, it's a little murky. You know, Bryce Hall, obviously, is a great player. Yeah. He, you know, Darius Braden was playing better than Tim Harris to start mm-hmm. the season before Tim Harris really turned it on and started really taking over in the second half of the Deciding season. Deciding to defend some passes. <laughs> you know, six years into his career, but had a really good second half and mm-hmm. a really good finish. Um, but Darius Braden will probably be the corner opposite him. And then from there, it's it's kind of who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some people coming in, some freshmen coming in. But, you know, Jermaine Crowell was a guy people were excited about, you know, being a legacy, being a pretty higher rated player. He'll mm-hmm. be a sophomore next season because he was able to pull out a red shirt. But, you know, he's he's been hurt. Yeah. You know, it's two years. Nick Grant is a guy that people kind of expect to step up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but we really haven't seen much of him. Nick yeah. Grant was kind of the fourth corner, I guess, this year behind mm-hmm. Bryce Hall, uh, Tim Harris, and Darius Braden. So we'll see what he can really do. But that that kind of leads us more into the safeties because our third corner this year was pretty much Brendan Nelson. Right. Brendan Nelson would slide into the slot. Um, and Brendan Nelson, it's tough to say kind of what role he'll play next year. Joey mm-hmm. Blunt will be back in the same position. Brendan Nelson will start and play a lot. But the reason I say that is because the wild card is Chris Moore. Yeah, Chris Moore was a talented player who played, you know, kind of a hybrid role. His, uh, I guess it was two seasons ago because there just weren't really any linebackers. He kind of played this hybrid safety linebacker role. Yeah, but he was hurt all this season. And Bronco Mendenhall was talking about how well he played in fall camp before he got hurt. So you have three good options at safety. So I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw this year with Brendan Nelson kind of sliding down into the slot a lot for uh, passing situations. And unfortunately, we lose Juan Thornhill. That is uh, huge. Hopefully to the NFL. But I think that, you know, our secondary is still probably going to be one of our strengths next season, along with uh, the quarterback position. 
mm-hmm. is uh, just how well they played together. This year they played really well, really solid defense. Uh, terrorized opposing quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Mostly Daniel Jones. And um, <laughs> I'm excited to see how they keep it going next year. You know, Bryce Hall coming back is huge. It's probably one of the biggest storylines coming out of that bowl game. Definitely. definitely. And, for, you know, foregoing that, you know, first, second round uh, draft grade that he got. And, you know, hopefully it pays off for him. And we talked about this last week, how, you know, it's kind of weird that I thought it was weird that he stayed. Um, but I can see, you know, the mentality that the coaches are having with the, these kids is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy that he's staying. Uh, but I am excited to see, you know, how he builds on that this year and how the young guys step up uh, with, with Thornhill gone. Yeah. I mean, I think the safety position is going to be in really good shape. You know, Joey Blunt, Brendan Nelson, and Chris Moore will all be juniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you have some guys behind them. They brought in two freshmen this year and Antonio Clary and Chase Chalmers. Mm-hmm. So good t- Two, it's good to have two guys kind of back there to really develop as kind of the core of the top three. We'll still have two years, but it's good to start developing these guys behind them. Yeah. Cornerback is kind of a crapshoot so yeah. many times, but there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see we'll what see. happens. And, you know, once again, this is just like who's coming back. This is not our we're, – we're not expert. Rob is an expert. I'm not. <laughs> but we're, we're just mostly looking at the depth that we have. We're not looking at who's going to start necessarily and, yeah but in many cases it probably is what what we're saying well you want to have that secession plan too yeah you want to have it so you're like oh yeah like this guy or that guy's going to start next year like you want competition but you want you want to have an idea of secession mm-hmm. planning and how you can build around a player yeah we mentioned this right at the beginning but rob kind of made a list on twitter and he posted it to twitter and it just kind of like shows that like who who's at what position and and what you know where they are and what the secession plan is so we're kind of laying out what that is right now and i think we'll revisit this again like during the summer probably after yeah, spring training yeah i think so and you know before the season as well just like you know who's actually going to start who stepped up who's you know hurt mm-hmm. uh what you know freshmen are looking good all that kind of stuff uh do you want to add anything else uh, to your football talk before well, let's, we let's move talk to basketball specialist Speci- let's just oh we for- almost there. forgot <laughs> i'm sorry because I, I think, didn't mean to. Uh, well, it's okay. We love them. Uh, you know, they might not be, <laughs> you know, they're specialists, but. They're uh, special in their own way. Yeah. So let's just talk about this real quick. Uh, Nash Griffin is probably a favorite to be our punter. Lester mm-hmm. Coleman leaves. You know, after two years of having, I really guess, four years between Nick Conti and uh, uh, Lester Coleman of just having really good punters. Yeah. So we'll see what Nash Griffin can do. Place kickers. I'm betting on Hunter Pearson to be our kicker next year. I think Brian Delaney will still mm-hmm. do kickoffs, but mm-hmm. it was kind of weird because uh, Hunter Pearson moved in the starting lineup against Louisville, mm-hmm. was two for two on field goals. He kicked some extra points. He was five for five on extra points this season and then just kind of lost the job the next week yeah. to Brian Delaney, which, you know, Delaney had some great moments, you yeah. know, winning that Miami game. Yeah. He also had some moments he probably wanted back. Georgia Tech. Yeah. You know, he's... Yeah. He kicks kind of a line drive kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Hunter Pearson was hurt all of the offseason. Yeah. He'll keep his red shirt, so he'll be a red shirt freshman next year. You know, I if you if I had to place money on it, I think Hunter Pearson's going to be the kicker next season. It was kind of weird because, I mean, as you say, like, he kicked some field goals and, like, he, he made both of them. But, and Mejia is, you know, he, he had some field R. goals R. that he made, but, but, you know, it was that right hash 
love that he had and or delaney delaney sorry delaney yeah, Mejia, yeah hopefully we'll never see the field again my bad i've been <laughs> <laughs> he although he did have that good onside kick against uh nc state yeah not that it mattered yeah, yeah but... but anyway all i'm saying is you know under pearson was actually like highly touted as like a really good kicker coming in yeah and so it's interesting that you know he didn't play maybe he was hurt maybe he like didn't have and kickers are kind of strange too because they got that it's a whole psychological yeah. thing too so maybe he wasn't all like there or ready well, he, or he was hurt in fall camp yeah and he missed most if not all of fall camp yeah and then he came back and you know he did fine he right. was the next guy up after yeah. Mejia went down and then delaney just took him over. out apparently yeah is what bronco said but so. like we were talking about earlier how Mejia like apparently sucked in practice mm-hmm. right <laughs> but then Hunter Pearson couldn't beat him out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think Hunter Pearson's the kicker. Another guy that's coming in who posts a lot of Twitter videos, getting himself some hype. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Dunkel is probably how you say his last name. Dunkel. But, you know, he's another guy in that yeah. mix who's posted some Twitter videos. You know, it's always weird when athletes post videos. Oh, is, that it's like, is that the guy who made five 55-yard yeah. field goals in a row? Yeah. I saw that. That was cool. But then it's obviously also... A huge difference when you got people running at you, right? You the got snap the snap and the, the hold, timing and yeah. And, but you know, props to him. We we said his name on the pod. Big deal. Uh, <laughs> so second best UVA pod. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, and then as far as returners go, Joe Reed will return kickoffs. Punt returner will be a little bit interesting. Between I think the competition will be Billy Kemp, Tavares Kelly, and Seneca Millage. But you know that's. Tavares Kelly did some good things this season. He mm-hmm. also, uh, Bronco Mendenhall kind of put the blame on him for not fielding a kick correctly against Georgia Tech, which they recovered. Uh, you know, they didn't trust him to re- return kicks against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Chuck Davis still muffed, I think, yeah. two punts. Yeah. Uh, Billy Kemp was punt returner in the bowl game, mm-hmm. showed that he was shifty, could do some things. He looked good. I liked him. Yeah. It, he's weird because he played in so. He did so little. Like, I think he only was on the field for like 17 plays the entire mm-hmm. season, but he played in seven games. So he won't keep his red Missed shirt. His red shirt, yeah. It's unfortunate. I'd, I guess the staff hopefully just saw something that they wanted to get him time. Yeah, but, but it's kind of weird. It is weird, especially because, like, I mean, after you've broken those four games, it's kind of like, oh, what the, what the heck? Like, yeah. let's just put him in. But I, I think that they should have done a better job, especially if they wanted him to red shirt well let's uh, receiver just going back to receiver because the three freshmen in that class were billy kemp tavares mm-hmm. kelly and ugo absabi right and none none of them really had big impacts this season mm-hmm. tavares kelly was talked about way more than what he actually produced on the football right. field and none of them will keep the red shirts yeah and you know none of them did really anything this season mm-hmm. uh i don't know it's it's does that interesting say, does that say anything about the staff and how they feel about those receivers or maybe you know you just get so many receivers every season like i don't know i it's I, does that say anything about what how the staff is feeling or looking i don't know because it's strange because we keep talking about bigger guys and like yeah. obviously they like the bigger guys at linebacker mm-hmm. they like them in the secondary um but they also keep talking about how they like them at wide receiver they like these small guys at wide receiver though. well they it's weird because they bring in all the small guys last season right and now this season i think our shortest wide receiver commit is like six foot two nice. like they're all big guys out like of the that. three in this class so it's just kind of weird like you have a staff emphasizing physical size mm-hmm. as much as anything yet our three receivers in last year's class were all like small guys tiny yeah so i don't know it's it's interesting and i don't know if that played 
I think he played a little bit of a role in bringing in the big receivers mm-hmm. in this freshman class. Yeah, probably. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just, we just do an observation. We don't know. Yeah. Just an observation. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, I think with that, that kind of wraps up just our quick look at the roster. Again, to me, the the th- big thing to emphasize is that there's no glaring holes on this. Yeah. Like even if there's depth that you want to see grow, it normally has a year or two to get there. I think the biggest question mark is offensive line. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like kind of that's kind of where we need probably the most improvement from this season, and also kind of you know the unknown. But I feel like that's kind of every season, you know. Yeah. I, like offensive line is always shifting around. We mm-hmm. are, we already said that, but it'll be interesting to see like how that shifts out. Yeah, because the big difference now is that Mike London was in love with the athletes that might or might not ever find a position on the football field. Mm-hmm. But he'd bring in sometimes as few as two offensive line recruits a class. Bronco Mendenhall has really emphasized, I want four or five guys every year. Yeah. And we're starting to see that show because offensive line is so hard that, like, yeah, you can have a great offensive lineman come in. One guy we haven't talked about is Jaquay Hubbard. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a chance to get on the two deep at tackle potentially next season as a true freshman. Yeah. But... You know, there's so many guys, there's so many stories. Most offensive linemen are three stars, like Mm -hmm. every position, and you got to fill five spots. You know, there's going to be guys that come in and step up that, you know, weren't huge recruits. And that's just kind of how that group works. So numbers, to me, and I think most people will agree that numbers always outweighs talent on the offensive line. I think offensive line also, there's a fit factor. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to like be able to mesh really well with, with everyone else on that line because if you're not communicating really well you're gonna let someone blow right by you and you know kill your quarterback which sucks yep right so if you're not talking well if you're not communicating well and if you don't fit well with those other people then you're not gonna play yeah and i think that has a lot to do with it and that you can't see that on the recruiting show you can only that only happens in camp yeah yeah no it's it, again we're not experts on anything especially the offensive especially line the offensive line but, but just, that's just my take <laughs> that's just what i'm gonna say if there's numbers there i'm happy and it, there's finally starting to be numbers there so give them another year or two hopefully they can play really well this season you know you never know but they are losing three of their five starters mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i think the roster's in good shape yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that all right great and so i think with that we're gonna move on to some basketball talk we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the Virginia Tech game coming up. We're going to talk about the Duke game coming up. We're also going to talk about the Jay Huff game, yep. all aka Clemson. And we're going to bring on a special guest for that. We're going to bring in some uh, one of our friends, uh, Andrew Benvenuto. We're going to give him a call. He is the vice president of Who Crew this year. So he's going to give us a little bit of insight as to what they're doing this year too. So that'll be fun. So let's give him a call and uh, we'll see what he has to say. All right, everyone, we have Andrew Benvenuto on the line with us. Andrew, how is it going today? It's going quite well. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Andrew, can you introduce yourself just for everyone who doesn't know you? Yeah, so my name's Andrew. I'm a vice president of Who Crew. Uh, I know Rob and Dustin from when I was a sophomore or a second year. He was, um, he was, second year. He was one of our pledges. He was one of my yeah. pledges when I was president. Yeah, one of Dustin's pledges, so I got close to Rob and Dustin uh, that year, and we've kind of kept a friendship ever since, and Aww. we just love talking We just love talking, uh, love talking. UVA sports. Thanks, dude. I appreciate yeah. it. But uh, yeah, Andrew's great. Andrew's a stats guy, so that's why we like talking with him. He knows all the stats. And uh, Andrew uh, recently dropped the bag for us, helped us renew our Ken Palm subscription that he stole from me and Rob. 
Um, but just returning the favor. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. No, we appreciate that. We do appreciate it, and it's it, and that's why he's on the podcast. We kind of bullied him into doing it. No, we're joking. I've been trying to get on for a while. So. I know he keeps he keeps bugging us about coming on. We're like, Andrew, calm down. We got we got a list. But anyway, uh, so Andrew is part of Who Crew, as we talked about earlier. And I think something that we wanted to do, you know, Rob and I know a lot about Who Crew and what goes on, but I think a lot of other people who may listen to this don't quite know, like, kind of the ins and outs of Who Crew and what y'all do. And so I wanted to ask you a couple questions about Who Crew. Rob and I want to ask you some questions. Uh, just kind yeah, of like how the, uh, how the atmosphere is this year at JPJ and like what y'all are doing and some, some things coming up that we should look for maybe. Yeah, no, I think the atmosphere at JPJ has been really great this year. Um, it's kind of been, I guess, tough to gauge just because we haven't had a big home game where the whole mm-hmm. student body is present. Florida State's atmosphere is great, but right behind the um, one of the baskets where the students usually sit mm-hmm. was uh, just uh, normal like parents and, and non-students. So I think just normal people, yeah, yeah just normal <laughs> people, people, not not yeah. So I think uh, this Tuesday, once we host Virginia Tech, I think. The atmosphere will be wild. I think everyone's excited to be back. And, I mean, Virginia Tech's only lost one game, so I think mm-hmm. this is going to be, like, uh, probably our biggest home game other than the Duke game. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of what Who Crew does for basketball games, we uh, we order all the streamers and the posters. So after our first basket's made, um, all the students uh, on the on the sideline and behind one of the baskets throw, throw them just to kind of get everyone ready and, and pumped up and – one of the new additions this year, I don't know if you guys noticed, um, or I, I, you guys have, but I don't I've know noticed. if the, the casual viewer uh, has, but we've added a TIFO that we kind of wave around right before tip-off. A TIFO is a, another name for a big flag. It's a yeah, huge so, flag that the student section holds. Exactly, and I think that's been a great addition. It gets more people involved, mm-hmm. uh, which is something we were trying to do just because, I mean, throwing streamers is fun and all, but this is kind of something that um, is – pre-tip off and, and just gets everyone everyone's adrenaline going and i think um think people have liked it so far so mm-hmm. that's something that we're going to continue doing is uh, it and wait i have a question is it a pain yeah. to to get it out and everything because when i w- i was in the student section for the florida state game and i watched y'all deal with it and it seemed like a huge kind of hassle <laughs> <laughs> to deal with yeah. it is so it- the athletics department at uva does a great job uh, of helping us up of helping us with that but uh it kind of is a hassle uh, we usually uh-huh. have four who crew members uh, who who help them out? Yeah, so pledges. Um, yeah, some pledges <laughs> and and either me, Rajan, who is another vice president, mm-hmm. Noel, who's the president. Mm-hmm. One of us will go and we'll bring three members, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll we'll help athletics roll it out. And uh, it the only problem I really see with it is we kind of have to miss like the first two minutes of the game, yeah. just bringing the uh, the tifo back. But yeah. I mean, it's definitely worth it. I mean, usually uh, two minutes. Usually, there's no like points scored at all during the first two minutes. <laughs> yeah, so no, we, exactly. You don't miss anything. Two zero. Two zero. Yeah. <laughs> four, no, exactly. four to two. <laughs> I got lucky that my, my shift is the Wake Forest game. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> Instead yeah, of the well uh, Virginia Tech game, yeah, yeah. So I played that uh, played that well. But yeah, I mean, in terms of what's coming up, uh, we have a special guest sitting with us on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want me to reveal who that is? Sure. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people remember Jerry. The hard hat wearer uh, back a couple years ago. Or the, um, the old guy. Sit- <laughs> the old, <laughs> the old guy. guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's another way to put it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be with us. So we're looking forward to having him back. Uh, he's actually uh, the grand uh, the grandpa of a member in Who Crew. So um, it's going to be great uh, to have him with us, and I think he's going to bring uh, a lot of excitement to the student section. Jerry's great. Uh, he was always a good 
yeah, really friendly to me, I, I, a good friend of mine too. And he, he's great to talk to. He knows a lot about UVA. He's really passionate about UVA too. And, you know, he, you know, whenever he's in the student section, people just talk about him and, you know, how, how lively he is and he, how awesome he is. He's everywhere. And then even like the year where he was like really big in the student section was yeah. the year where I was in the press box covering yeah. most of the games. Yeah. But like, he'd always like, I'd come and say hi to people. I'd always come shake my hand. Yeah. Like, just like, just like great guy. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. And you he know, might be more famous than Dustin is. In the <laughs> he probably so. is. Yeah. You know, I, and people i'd rather sit beside pe- him than people <laughs> people know who i am but people actually like like jerry yeah. so there's a difference <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean i think um one thing that uh raj and who i mentioned earlier and i are doing we're we're, we're the people who dress up in the hard hats and the construction vest um, that's just something we wanted to do i know a lot of people in huku in the past have kind of had their own outfit so mm. we kind of took that from jerry uh and uh, it was cool. We got the uh, the whole team to sign our hats. So yeah, uh, it's probably it's probably hard to see that on camera. That's hard. That's, to, like, <laughs> that's hard to do. You because you know not everyone has that kind of access. But yeah, no, not not yeah. It's uh, don't give away your sources classic. either. No, yeah, cannot do that. <laughs> but uh, I've I've noticed a lot of other people doing um their own kind of outfits for the game. So I think that's kind of spreading too, which is nice to see people getting all decked out for the games. And I think. Um, That'll only continue as soon as uh, ACC play uh, starts I think, for for everyone. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's really cool how different people do different stuff. Like I had the Shang Singletary jersey and my my orange pants, and I wore a headband for every game. I wore that outfit for four years and five yeah, years, no, five crazy. years, and so I think I got really attached to it too. Like I still have all that stuff, and I still wear it uh, when I go back. But you know, it's it's crazy how different people do different stuff, and I, I like I think it's cool how you know it's weird. You know, like dressing up like that's weird. Like it's not a normal thing to do. But when everyone does it, it gets more normal. I think I think Huku does a good job of like showing people that it's okay to just be a little strange <laughs> at, at times. And yeah, I, that's, that's something that, I really enjoy doing is just being goofy. You know, yeah, in the you, get, you get a ton of camera time too. I think. Uh, oh, that's huge. The, yeah. Yeah. For the Florida State game, I had like ten different people text me that I was just on TV. So yeah. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, you might look a little strange, but it's definitely worth it in the end. That's cool. I and you know, I like it too. Um and so Do we yeah. want to do our weekly J Huff segment right now? Is yeah, that we, a, is now a good time? Yeah, well unless unless uh Andrew, you have anything else to add about who crew and what you know, stuff coming up or stuff that you're doing for the tech game yeah, or no, the or the Duke game or anything. Yeah, for real. Uh I mean nothing nothing out of the uh out of the ordinary right now. I mean Hopefully we get uh, college game day to come. Uh, mm-hmm. That would that's always fun, but it'll be interesting to see if we have a Saturday uh, game that lines up. Just because y'all have five, we're going y'all have five more Saturday home games, and so yeah, we do. The only thing I worry about is that we're we're going to to Durham for for one of them. So I don't know if they'll. Uh, I don't think they would be opposed to having nah, it. Twice. Yeah, Dude, a, you get I, Zion. You know, yeah, I think ESPN will be there. I think game day loves. UVA they too. do they do yeah they do I think they'll try to they'll try to find a, a a game that to make it work and I think that Duke game uh works well it just depends on if they want to have the same matchup twice but in terms of like posters and stuff we'll now that we're going into ACC play it's kind of easier to make like poster specific mm-hmm. a game a game specific posters it's kind of hard for like a William and Mary but for like Duke we can make fun of Zion and his uh yeah. What does he like again? It's, anime. Uh, anime. Anime, yeah. So <laughs> we, can, uh, we can make fun of that. And just uh, even if it's uh, a Wake Forest or a Georgia Tech, just um, finding who their players are and just kind of uh, finding some, some lighthearted jokes to make. Yeah. 
Definitely. Well, if it can I can I give y'all a shout out? If anyone, you know, any of our listeners have any great, you know, uh, sign ideas, definitely like DM the Who Crew uh, Twitter yeah, account sure. or anything because they will definitely like take those and make them because uh, they're always looking for good ideas. And I know I did that when I was president too. Is just you know, search out great sign ideas and make them. Yeah, and even if you have any ideas, just for how you think we can make the student section better, yeah. whether it's a basketball game, football, or or soccer, whatever, just yeah, definitely DM that account, and we'll, we we love suggestions, and I think that would uh that would, that would really help us out. Yeah, awesome. But with that, you know, Rob's di- dying to get into the Jayhuff. I know, I jumped the week. gun. I jumped the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk about Jayhuff because Jayhuff kind of maybe proved me wrong a little bit mm-hmm. this past uh this past game against Clemson and no you, no the the Jay Huff game the Jay it's not, it's yeah, not called Jay Clemson Huff. the Jay Huff game it's officially replaced Austin P as the Jay <laughs> Huff game so uh, Andrew tell us about Jay Huff are you pro Jay Huff you know everyone kind of knows our Dustin I's opinions what's your opinion on Jay Huff so I, I'm definitely pro Jay Huff obviously pro Jay Huff in the long term though I, I think one of the interesting stats I actually saw on Twitter was uh he uh he was the Ken Palm player of the game in just ten minutes played, which is not yeah. not the not the record. I think someone did it in eight minutes, but which is uh nonetheless like pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But uh Jay Huff, I mean, he kinda showed what I think we all expect him to be able to do well, which is he can stretch the floor mm-hmm. and, and make some uh some high flying dunks. And I think he did just that and that kind of uh lifted up the entire offense. But in terms of defense, he's still a work in progress. Uh even though his man didn't score uh, as much. He kind of got by Jay Huff mm-hmm. and just kind of missed a couple layups. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think if, if he made those layups, maybe Jay comes out. So we kind of got lucky that he missed those and Jay was able to stay in well, and well, provide you, a lift on offense. Well, you know, with, with those, I, and Rob and I were discussing this before we started recording, is that, you know, the thing about Jay is he's not going to body you like kind of Jack does, but he does alter shots. He's seven he one. He's tall. He's got long arms. And he... He's a good shot blocker as well, too, when, when he, you know, stays with his man. And so I think part of that is, you know, Ta- Elijah Thomas, the guy who's guarding, just had to shoot awkward shots, like mm-hmm. awkward layups, just because Jay is so tall. And yeah, I think he had pretty good position as well. Well, that's the thing with him is position. You yeah. know, like he's still growing into his body. And so much of defense is just being in the right position, mm-hmm. you know, having this feet be quick enough, the strength in your lower body. And you know what? He had one foul, Jay Huff. Yeah, like, only one foul. Yeah, he, he, he had seven seven rebounds and one foul. Yeah, you take that. And I think the uh, the offense also changes a lot when he's in. I mean, we yes. don't really do the mover blocker from what I can see uh, when he's in. It's kind of more pick and it's roll, more pick, pick and, and roll. pop. It's all pick and uh, roll, man. Pick and roll, pick and pop. I mean, I think that's something uh, that that's good to have, even if it's only for five to ten minutes a game. It kind of makes defenses uh they have to i don't know they have to be thinking a little bit more they're not all expecting to to run around screens chasing kyle guy i think having um that just for a small amount of time really adds a new dimension to the offense and i mean i'm not expecting him to to start playing 20 minutes a game i think um the reason he went in was because mom and he was struggling a little bit Mm -hmm. and i think it's gonna be matchup specific like a lot of people are saying but i think um the way Tony should use him is whether it's 10 minutes into the game, 15 minutes into the game, give him a few minutes and kind of see how he's doing, um, see how he's hanging in there and uh, kind of gauge how 
he should be used in the second half based on that. I mean, using it for two minutes in a game won't won't alter the the game uh, too much. So I I don't think uh, I think it's a low risk, high reward kind of strategy if you use him in that in that way. Well, you know, I I don't even think at this point like seeing him play against Clemson. I don't think it's about matchups anymore because you know Rob and I always joke like it's about <laughs> he's the, not a good matchup. It's not for a, that good, it's not a good matchup for Jay. Like... But at this point, I think you know Elijah Thomas is a big guy. He's someone that Jack you know historically should have guarded the probably the whole game yeah and jay you know got bodied a little bit underneath uh that was not a great matchup for jay defensively but he made the most of his minutes and he played really really solidly you know he had six defensive rebounds uh over thomas and you know other people guarding him and he boxed out really well too mm-hmm. uh, he does yeah but, and that, I mean, that, that, was, that was something because he hasn't always done that he sometimes you know gets pushed around uh i think hopefully I think this is a turning point for Jay Huff, and no, I th- yeah, I mean, I think it can be, and I think um, it could be a huge think, confidence booster too. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think in in his uh, post game comments, he he said that he he's confident that he can play in these situations, and mm-hmm. this really was his first extended time in a big game. I know he went in against Florida State, but that was I think like a minute. Yeah, so I and, think and um, Boston College too. Yeah, and I think this was like this was in the second half. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was. The game was getting close, yeah. and I was shocked to see that Tony put him in. But I mean, it was it was a good good call, and I think he he uh, he did well. And I mean, I hopefully uh, it just kind of adds another dimension because you you know what we're gonna get from Kyle, um, Ty, and Dre, and even Braxton is kind of becoming more consistent mm-hmm. on offense. Uh, but Kihei, um, Mamadi, and Jay can kind of be X factors. They mm-hmm. don't all have to be X factors in the same game, but if one of them can provide uh six to ten points i mean that kind of that that helps us out a lot uh yeah i mean when when jay came in jack had gotten three fouls uh south carolina was going to the line or clemson or clemson I'm it was sorry. only a two-point game I yeah think. It, like it, it was well yeah. i think it was a three Maybe, it, it was point? it was close the lead was cut to two it was at close. some point it was close but jay came in because uh, jack was in foul trouble and mommy once again was struggling a little bit to get his uh, rhythm going um so I think it's great that he can come in and just change the entire game. Yeah. Well, one thing I think about Jay Huff that is you have to think net with him. And, like, his (laughs) offense has always outweighed the defense. Plus minus. We're talking plus minus here. (laughs) Well, his offense has always outweighed his defense, and we've known that. And we've also known that Tony Bennett is always going to favor defense more than offense as far as putting his players in the game. So it's like Jay Huff had, like, a bigger bar to climb just because, like, it wasn't balanced the way Tony Bennett likes. And I think Mm -hmm. we're finally at the point where – Hopefully his offense is like good enough where it's the, the point where Tony Bennett is just like, even though I might prefer more of this, like it's so far over, you know, he's good enough on defense now that it's his offense is worth putting out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, if he has a, a healthy off season coming up, I mean, just adding, adding uh, some muscle and the strength training that we have, I think uh, he'll be able to, uh, to eventually get there on defense. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be a Jack Salt on defense, but um, I think he can he can get significantly better to the point where he's able to play and start. Um, so I, I I'm really looking forward to to how he develops, and I I mean I hope he uh I hope he stays a Wahoo for for four years. Yeah, I mean I think it's important for the development of the offense and even recruiting too. You see, you know the mover blocker. It's, some people like it, some people don't. The type of offense you can run with Jay Huff, pretty much everyone likes. So yeah, no, it's sure. like it's it's just another tool and it can help the program long term even. Yeah, and I Walker Kessler is kind of 
he kind of plays like Jay Huff. I mean, he's a he's um a tall guy who can shoot the three. Um, I guess he's a little stronger than Jay, but um, hope. I mean, I saw something today where people were saying we're we're now the favorites to to get him, which would be Tony's first uh, five star commit. So I mean, just getting a, a big guy who can who can do a lot on offense um, and still anchor defense in a way. I think that uh, really just gives something UVA hasn't had i mean toby did a little bit but his defense wasn't great so uh, it's kind of a new uh, new dimension that can be added to the offense yeah no question and i think that's actually kind of a good transition kind of looking into our next game virginia tech virginia tech yeah. is a team that spreads the floor a lot they mm-hmm. like to shoot the three they like to move the ball get up and down the floor you know what are we looking for against virginia tech and what's jay huff's role going to be in that game yeah so um i mean virginia tech uh in a way was kind of similar to UVA in the non-conference, um, their their strength of schedule was was weak. Uh, definitely, they somehow had a worse strength of yeah. schedule. Than <laughs> yeah, weird. which is which. Yeah, and ours ours was not great. Um, but I mean, they their toughest game was Purdue, which uh, is probably a, a tournament team just given the Big Ten's uh, strength. So they got a lot of opportunities to get some good wins. So uh, I think, um, I mean, they they've done what they had to do in their in their schedule, but it's kind of hard to determine how good they actually are are they a top 10 team are they a top 20 team i'm not sure i think in the next three games they have at uva and then a uh, home game against wake but then at unc so those two games i think we'll actually be able to see how good virginia tech actually is but uh in terms of depth virginia tech probably has a shorter bench than uva and we don't have a deep bench at all really um so i think um in terms of uh tony's style but i think um so virginia tech really only plays six guys and one's over six foot seven so i'm not sure how jay huff will uh kind of affect this game just because i think we're going to be playing more of a small ball where braxton's at the five or mommy's at the five um i think that's kind of our 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 best fit Uh, they like to shoot the three ball obviously they kind of space you out uh they shoot 43 percent of field goals from three so um that's kind of been the, the killer of the pack line in the past so it'll be interesting to see how how we're able to guard it but they're obviously shorthanded without chris clark this year who was able to kind of penetrate and kick out for three so um i'm interested to see how how we're able to do i mean they have uh what's his name uh who can shoot the three ball tie outlaw yeah. Uh, yeah he uh he doesn't he's kind of a guy who you can you can kind of sleep on just because he's not Nikhil Alexander Walker or Justin Robinson who I mean you gets could also say attention. I mean Ahmed Hill and Ahmed, Kerry yeah. Blackshear also shoot the three really well like they all, are, all, yeah, three, all five of those guys I mean you can also put in Isaiah Wilkins um, who who graduated from UVA uh, shrank four inches and went to Virginia Tech yeah. as a freshman <laughs> and they have their own kind of Kihei who comes off the bench um, his name's his last name's Beatty. Uh, he's taller than Kia. He's six one, but Wab- they kind of put him in. They kind of yeah, they kind of put him in for the same. Uh, his strengths are what what Kia strengths are. He mm-hmm. he's able to apply ball pressure, guard the team's best guard, uh, and I think um, that'll be kind of an interesting matchup. But yeah, I mean his offensive skill set's a little limited off the bench. I mean he, he can knock down an open three, but I mean this is definitely Tech's toughest game of the year um, so far, and it might be it might end up being their toughest game for the year just because they have Duke at home. But um, I think uh, we'll, we'll be ready for the game. But um, they they definitely make things uncomfortable with their ability to stretch the, the three ball. But um, this this is a good test for us just because 
Florida State gave us an opportunity to see how we did against a really long athletic team. This is probably one of the best three-point shooting teams we'll play. And then looking forward to, to Saturday at Duke, I mean, I think that's kind of more of an iso ball, athletic, drive the, drive to the paint, block shots kind of team. So I think those three teams play drastically different styles, and we'll be able to kind of compare how we do in different, uh, different situations. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to you talking about Virginia Tech's playing style and how you don't think that Jay Huff fits into it. And on, on the contrary, I think that he fits in really well, especially if, you know, they if we play the pick and roll game or the pick and pop game, if they are playing small ball, no one's going to be able to guard him at all. And he, he brings a much better skill set than Jack Salt does. I think this is a game that Jack Salt doesn't play that much. Mommy's <laughs> going to play a lot. Yeah. I, I think Jay Huff could get significant run um, if Mamadi gets in foul trouble, especially. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like Jay more so than Jack in this matchup, but uh, you just know Tony likes to play mm-hmm. Salt at least 20 minutes a game. Right. So, I, I mean, I think Salt I mean, and get... It honestly depends. I think that, you know, Tony's kind of defied all expectations this year about what he does That's with true. the lineup. And so... I think I I don't expect I don't know what to expect anymore, especially now that Jay shows that he can play some defense and, yeah, and no, also I mean, change the offense a lot. Like you said, Blackshear can also shoot the three. All all their players who can play uh, who mm-hmm. play can shoot the three. So yeah. uh, that definitely is a weakness for for Jack. But um, I think more so this year though, Kerry uh, Blackshear has gone into the paint more. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, and he he's six ten. I mean he's a he's a big guy. And he's got some skilled post moves, so I think in that sense, Jack's a better matchup. But uh, if he starts uh, stepping out and shooting threes, then uh, I I would expect Tony to make adjustments. Yeah, awesome. And so you you also mentioned Duke earlier, and they, we played them on Saturday at six. They've got College Game Day for that, so that'll be fun uh, to watch in the morning. But what what do you see uh, during that game, and how do you see Virginia faring? Yeah, so I mean. I like our chances in every game. I think. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, bold. I do too. I'm, I'm with, I'm with Andrew not, on this one. I I think we can beat any team in the country. We can, and I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, I think we can we can beat any team in the country. Will we beat every team in the country? That's no, that's unlikely. I mean, it's I mean, <laughs> we've we've seen that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, that we can we can beat anyone, and I think uh, if we do what we're supposed to do, um, we should be we should be in a good position to win each game. I mean. I'm hoping one of these two games that, I mean, blowing out everyone's fun, but we definitely need a couple games where we're going back and forth in the last five minutes of a game just to kind of see who develops into UVA's go-to player uh, down the stretch. I mean, I think uh, Kyle, Ty, and Dre all have that capability, mm-hmm. but just kind of seeing who who has the guts to take the shot and, and kind of what direction we go with the offense. So hopefully one of these two games will kind of see that. Um, and I don't expect to to blow out Duke in in Durham, but uh, Duke obviously they get a lot of love um, from ESPN Zion especially. But I think two of the players to watch in that game are Cam Reddish mm-hmm. and Jack White. Yeah. Um, they they're the two three point shooters the team has. Zion's been really inconsistent from three, and so has R.J. Barrett. Zion is uh, not a good three point shooter. He's not. He, he you got to kind of respect it, but like you don't really, really. Like, like. Please, I would much rather him shoot the three oh, than yeah. drive. Oh yeah, keep him out and, wide. Yeah. yeah, Zion and 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 uh, uh, R.J. Barrett, they love to to drive into the paint and try to draw a foul. 
mm-hmm. uh, which uh, against Clemson, foul trouble. I mean, they, they, they hung around just because of free throws, so that's kind of a concern I have. Are we able to defend without fouling in the, in the paint? But um, Cam Reddish kind of had his, had his breakout game against Florida State mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it'll be interesting to see if he can carry that over and knock down threes because uh, I think a lot of the defense uh, defense's attention is going to be on uh, Zion and, and RJ. Yeah. But Jack White's a guy who he didn't have a strong game against Florida State, but he's had games where he goes three or four from three mm-hmm. and, and a couple block shots. So he can be an X factor in he, the game. So he, it's he, important to not forget about those guys who can – uh, who can make the shots down the stretch, um, and they're not the the defense's main main attention. So I'm gonna that's kind of something I'm looking for. I'm going to throw out Alex O'Connell as well because he's another guy who you know hasn't got a lot of run this season just because of the who's on Duke's team. But he's another guy who would come in uh, in quick minutes and knock down some threes. Uh, he's only shooting 35 percent this year, but he he is also someone who who is known to make threes. I'm I'm actually scared more scared of Cam Reddish this game. Yeah. and Zion or RJ, especially because he Same. had that big game against Florida State. He It seemed to be um, a really big turning point for him, especially the, the game winner, where he just, you know, co- ice cold, knocked it down. It, he was wide open, too, which helped. But, yeah. I, I, you know, and we're talking about the three as the as the um, kind of the killer of the pack line. Yeah. And Cam Reddish is someone who's known for making threes, even though he's only shooting 35% this season. Um, he's a he's a guy who's probably going to be a lottery pick just because of his uh, ability to shoot three and also his defensive uh, ability at six eight two eighteen. So yeah, he, he's yeah. someone you know. RJ and Zion are really good at driving into the paint, but that's also the pack line buzzsaw is like right in the paint where everyone collapses Man, on you. You got to get back to like fundamentally what is the pack line? Right. You clog the paint. You clog the paint. Jack Salt's in there. Mamadi's in there. Pe- Dre can come in and double someone. Yeah. Um, Duke's weird that they play really small. Um, That's why I'm a little worried. Just not not worried, but uh, if we if we stick with the traditional five man lineup that we've mm-hmm. done the past uh, few games with um, Ty, Kyle, Dre, Mamadi, and Salt, mm-hmm. I think um, the best matchups uh, are Kihei on Trey Jones, yeah. applying that ball pressure, not yeah. letting him uh, facilitate like he likes to do. And yeah. I really like. Uh, I think um, the the smart matchup would be putting DeAndre on uh, R.J. Barrett. Right. I think um, just given R.J.'s length and, and he likes to get to the paint, I think mm-hmm. he matches up well. But I really like Braxton on um, I was, on Zion. I was I just going to say, I think I Braxton's going to be the X factor in this game just based on uh, can his defense keep up. Because Bra- uh, Braxton's defense is really good, his on-ball defense. He looks defense. natural now. Yeah. Like just yeah. doubling the post. Like it looks like he fits mm-hmm. fine. Like not finally, but like he's there. Yeah. And I think I think Braxton's really key in this game to huh. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> but um he he's gonna be a huge factor in this game and how much he can stay on the court, uh just based on if if he gets into foul trouble, and also um if he can guard Zion mm-hmm. or RJ Barrett or Cam Reddish or whoever he gets put on. Yeah, I mean uh, they yeah, Duke doesn't like to play big i mean they start uh delorier who mm-hmm. is a charlottesville native yeah uh, he he's pretty limited offensively even though i think he's made like 19 consecutive shots or something ridiculous but Jeez. those are mainly mostly um, dunks yeah mostly dunks and wide open layups from mm-hmm. people collapsing on barrett or, or zion so um that's not i mean we'll see I'm, I'm assuming salt will start that game but uh it'll be interesting to see how he matches up that game too just because they don't play a traditional big mm-hmm. 
they have uh, Marquise Bolden who comes off the bench and he can do some things offensively, but he's more um, of a traditional big. Yeah. Traditional back to the basket center. So um, salt matches up well with him, but they, uh, they, yeah, they, I mean, they don't play a a deep line, a deep uh, bench either. So I think, um, I think uh, that game is going to be mostly our death lineup, which is Ty, Kyle, Dre, Braxton, and Mamadi. Just kind of that lineup where where they can really guard anyone on the court. Yeah, no, that's definitely, I think, the lineup that's probably uh, the best matchup for against Duke. So uh, we'll see if, we'll see how Salt's used in that game. And mm-hmm. I, I, I can't really remember. I think Salt was kind of taken out a little bit from Duke last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he, he he finished the game, I remember. So I think um, it, it's matchup, matchup specific for Salt, too. So my, my guess is last year it was probably Kyle, Ty, Isaiah, Devin, and Dre. That's my yeah, guess. Yeah, because... Uh, oh, Dre got hurt at the end, if you remember. Yeah, the last like four minutes. Right. But most yeah. of the game, I mean, that was most, he was such a huge difference in that yeah. game. Yeah, he yeah he was uh yeah he was uh that's eating, right I uh, forgot that he his uh yeah who who was at uh, Marvin Bagley's lunch that game so that yeah was, uh, <laughs> yeah no that I mean this this is the week where we've been kind of waiting for all season so it, I'm I'm excited that it's finally here and I think um we still ha- we're still not getting the attention that we that we've gotten in the past I think I mean. A lot of college basketball insiders are talking about us, but um, I mean the Tech UVA games on Raycom Sports is not even nationally televised. So right. I mean I think there's still this is a kind of a a, a week where we have two top ten matchups, one at home, one on the road, and uh, winning both. I mean that, I think that moves us up to the number one spot. I know a lot of people care about our seating. I, I don't really right now. I would prefer. Um, I I I actually prefer not to be number one. <laughs> yeah. The, the the one thing is one of the regions is in DC this year, yeah. so getting getting the one seat in DC is big, um, is big just because of the fan base and mm-hmm. it's it's close to Charlottesville. So I think we can um, kind of turn that into a, a mini JPJ, which mm-hmm. would be uh, significant. Um, JPJ so, North. Yeah, so that would be that would be big. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I don't really care about our our ranking too much. I don't think the players do either. Yeah, we kind of learned it doesn't really matter. Yeah, when are you lining up for Tech on Tuesday? I got to figure out what uh, the rest of Who Crew is doing, but probably the game's at 8, get in at 6.30, probably around 3.30 or 4. Nice. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have, I got out of class at 12.15, so I'll get lunch. <laughs> Do you go to class? You don't have class on Monday and you'll have He's class. He's in the comm school, man. He's good. <laughs> yeah, no class on Monday or Friday. Oh, my so. God. So, uh, <laughs> And where where are you watching the game on Saturday? Uh, that's all. I got to figure out what other Who Crew people are doing. I, mm. I like I like the Boylan setup for games. That's um, right. It's uh, it's, it's gonna be lit. so crowded. That's you gotta, you gotta get there like noon, like yeah. Just yeah. It's a six o'clock game, so you definitely have to get there early. Which um, I mean, it's fine. And there's I'm sure there's other good games going on throughout the day, so mm. that's fun to watch. But um, I, I I think. I'm not sure about you, Rob, but I think Dustin's the same way. Where I, watching games in public uh, in a stressful it situation, it stresses me out. <laughs> it, I really not, don't. Yeah. I really don't like it. I would much prefer to be like alone watching a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, on the TV alone yeah, with yeah, no judgment. Could, yeah, you could just like freak out on your own, or at least like with someone who understands yeah, yeah. you as well. Because <laughs> Dustin, you were at Boylan last year, right? I was, and it, I yeah, I didn't. You and me and I, everyone like around us was. I remember just like looking celebrated. at you and being like, "This is not my place. <laughs> this yeah, is not so, for me." I mean, Boylan's fun, and I think I, I definitely want to do that for for one of these games. And like, I mean, it was great. It was great when we won, but I was also there the year that Grayson Allen traveled, and 
and yeah. and won and Duke won that game and that was horrible because everyone just like was so sad after that. So that's why I don't like I don't like the public games. But you know, I I hope you find a place. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely will. I mean, it'll probably end up being Boylan, but um, uh, I, I think Noelle's got a she's got a pretty good setup. She's got like every single channel, so mm-hmm. um, we can uh, we might get a, a big group of people to go there. So I mean, I think um. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be a quiet uh, it'll be quiet in Charlottesville. I think everyone's gonna be watching the game, so um, it's definitely something uh, that's been on my my calendar for for a few months now. All right, awesome, Andrew. Any last thing before we let you go? No, I mean, thanks for for having me on the podcast. Uh, like I said, I've been trying to be on it for, <laughs> since it started, so it, it's definitely good to be uh, on. And, we're, we're we're true to our word, you we, know. Yeah, yeah, we had a list. We you were on the checking list checking it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so no, it, it means a lot, and I think, uh, I mean, you guys are definitely, a, what is it, a top two UVA podcast? We're the yeah. second best UVA second podcast. There's best. a lot of debate who's number one, but yeah. we're number two. We're commonly uh, commonly known as the second best <laughs> UVA podcast, so I think that's, yeah, so, we'll live yeah. with it, you know? No, that's, I mean, that's great. It's a lot of competition, so just keep <laughs> it up, and uh, I'll definitely be listening. And yeah, I mean, if you have any questions or whatever, just... Uh, I'd love to come on again and talk oh, some more boy. sports. Yeah, Uh-oh. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta start, I gotta start getting ready for my for my second pitch to to get back on. Yeah, so. I know. What are you gonna do next time? But anyway, this has been Andrew Benvenuto. He is the vice president for Who Crew. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Uh, have a have a great week. Thanks, and we'll see you soon. See ya. All right, all right, awesome. So Andrew was great, and we love having him on. He's a good friend of ours, and uh, hopefully, he'll get us some guest tickets for some of the games coming up soon although probably not me since i'd have to wear my umbc hat yeah it's dustin has added a nice touch that by the way i have so so an update on that i i wrote on my hat so i defaced it uh there were no rules about that and uh so on the back i wrote that uh i suck at fantasy football Mm -hmm. so everyone knows that this is a fantasy football thing and that i'm not just a troll (laughs) and then also for all the games we win i'm gonna write um, that school on the hat somewhere. So, so far I have BC and then I wrote Clem on it for Clemson. So uh, that, that'll be nice. And I think it'll be a way for me to kind of, it's kind of like, a, yeah, it's like a getting my demons out kind of thing. Cause I'm fine with wearing a hat, but I think just it's, it's helping me cope with the, the UMBC loss even a little bit more. Actually, it's kind of therapeutic really. It's nice. Yeah. It's like embracing my, my um, worst nightmare. <laughs> Which is great. But I think uh, Rob and I are going to give some yells now. Uh, so I'm going to give a yell to the announcers uh, during the UVA and Clemson game who were not great, honestly. And really, uh, I found it hilarious when Jay Huff came in and just changed the game. And these announcers were like, oh, this is weird. Like, you know, <laughs> he's not like a normal player. And when he made his three, they're like, huh, he doesn't do that too often. I didn't know he could do that. So these guys didn't really do their research on Jay Huff, and uh, I I found it funny that you know he's this kind of unknown, but maybe the most dynamic player on the roster. So certainly the most intriguing. Yeah, definitely the most interesting. <laughs> yeah. and mysterious. No, that's that's the great part. Yeah, but I'll give my yell to just the Duke game. Like I get fired up for Virginia Tech and football, and I get fired up for Duke and basketball. And like some of these UVA Duke games these past couple of years have just been some of the best basketball games I've ever seen, you know, like, I, I guess, you know, we had the one where, uh, 
you know, we had game day. Unfortunately, we didn't win. Then, you know, we had the one where Grayson Allen traveled, where I was sitting courtside for that. And, you know, I didn't see Malcolm Brogdon's go-ahead layup because the ref blocked me. <laughs> but, you know. Rob definitely saw the travel. Yeah, I, I saw the travel. Uh, but And then last year was just incredible. Just, like, one of the most fun basketball games I've ever seen in my life. You know, beating Duke and Durham. So, it's Duke week. Like, we'll get past Virginia Tech. I see Saturday, man. I just want Saturday. You know, there, there's been a lot of stuff on UVA Twitter about um, whether you would rather beat Virginia Tech in basketball or Duke in basketball. I think I'd rather beat Virginia Tech in basketball than Duke. It's weird because, like, being from Roanoke, then, yeah. like, I get all the Roanoke, like, Southwest Virginia, right. Virginia Tech stuff. But, like, like I think I'd rather have the satisfaction of being Duke. Like, I'd rather we've already have the lost satis- to UMBC. Like, what are they going to say? I don't re- already I'd rather play. have the satisfaction of being Virginia Tech in a sport that we should own against them. And and losing to Duke and in Cameron is not a bad loss at all. I want, I'd much rather beat Tech. I want, than, like, the high of winning over, like, the fear of losing. Like, I'd rather beat Duke. I'll, I'd rather beat Duke. I would rather beat both of them. And uh, <laughs> just be the best team in the ACC. But uh, we already are. But I think that's all we have for today, unless you have anything else, Rob. No, let's wrap it up. All right, let's wrap it up. So I hope everyone enjoyed their Sunday, and I hope everyone enjoys their Monday. I will hopefully get a snow day tomorrow, so this podcast should be out on Monday at some point. But make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Follow us on Podbean and iTunes for more of me and Rob. And we'll we'll see you guys next week. Go who's baby. Go who's beat tech and beat Duke. Duke.